Hi, my name is Lydia. And I'm Emma. And we're the hosts of Holy Ship. We are passionate about creating a space for women to talk about sexuality, their bodies, and all things relationships. We think that for so long, Christian spheres have often failed to address these topics with women in a healthy, shame-free, and open way. So welcome to Holy Ship, where we address all the taboo topics in a way that is honoring to you, your relationships, and God. Well, welcome back to the Holy Ship Podcast. We are in our Sex 2.0 series, and today we are joined by Jenna Lawler. She is from Utah and graduated from BYU with a master's degree in marriage, family, and human development, and we are just so excited to have her on the podcast. So welcome. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Just to start out, could you um, tell us a little bit more about yourself, why you're passionate about this, all that jazz? So I am from Utah, obviously. um, And growing up, you know, sex isn't really something that was talked about in my home or really in the community that I grew up. Um, Even school sex education just wasn't very descriptive and, and left you know, left a person wanting to understand just this really important part of of who we are. Um, And as I got older, became a teenager, I experienced some sexual abuse, some sexual um, trauma that really sent me into a tailspin of um, trying to grapple with my sexuality and trying to understand this aspect of myself that um, I'm being told one thing in church and a different thing at home and another thing with my peers. And when I went to college, it was a perfect place for me to start exploring and learning and really understanding my own sexuality. And so now my whole goal is to, you know, share some of my story um, and, and the research that I've learned in hopes that other people can have an easier time than I did. Um, that really is the main goal to to help people have a have an easier, smoother transition through adolescence, and um, have the sexual development that I wish, or the the knowledge that I wish that I had. So, from that, how did you come to start your podcast? Oh, that was you know a kind of a spur of the moment thing. I I just really wanted to share my story, and I connected with. Um, the founder of a nonprofit organization called We Will Utah, um, or We Will Organization, and her name is Brittany Herman. And so we connected and um, started, you know, trying to work together to change sexual sexual education laws in Utah. And together, we decided to start this podcast so we could share our stories and and share the research to, you know, make this information more widely available um, for people in Utah, but also people everywhere. That's go ahead, Lydia. (laughs) I was just going to say, we are huge fans of the podcast and I've been listening Mm -hmm. to like all of your episodes. Absolutely love them. And they're so informative, but also personable person personable if that is a word I think it is uh, <laughs> so we just love that and like honestly just thank you so much for being vulnerable it's just been such like a great time hearing your story as well so how do you approach the topic of sex with a new relationship so are you talking about like a dating relationship like when a like when two people get together and like we're boyfriend girlfriend we're mm-hmm. dating yeah 
Or like, you know, like, how do you have that like initial conversation where you're like, so here's my beliefs on sex. Like, what are yours? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think it is a little bit different for everyone. Um, For me, especially as a sexual assault survivor, I, once I kind of went through my healing process um, and was ready for a healthy relationship, I was very upfront. Um, I, I had a few boyfriends before I met my now husband and got married. And with each of those relationships, I was very straightforward with what my sexual values were and with my story, um, just because it was important for me to be on the same page. Right. But I think that's a little bit different than for than people who have not experienced sexual trauma you know, I, I think for for the average person who luckily has not experienced that, um, it it kind of can be a very natural process, right? As you as you get to know someone more, you're you're you start dating and, and you kind of commit to that to that aspect of of um, being with each other. Then the more you get to know each other emotionally and you build that intimacy, the physical intimacy really just naturally follows. And I think that's when it's important to address um, your sexual values, right? Like when you've built the kind of trust that you know we're becoming more more intimate with the things we share with each other, we're becoming closer, we know each other more. Um, I don't know, to me, that's when it seems like a, a good place to start this conversation. As far as sex goes, right? Like kind of laying down, what are my sexual boundaries? Um, what, what do I want out of a sexual relationship? And is that, um, you know, am I reserving sex for marriage or what are the requirements that I have for myself before I engage in such a vulnerable experience with another person? Um, And I think, you know, a lot of people in Utah, a lot of people that I interact with are Christian. And so abstinence before marriage is um, a mindset that a lot of people have. And I think for a lot of Christians, the conversation about sex um, really never happens. For people who are wanting to stay absent before marriage, um, the conversation can kind of seem really unnatural, maybe even sinful, right? People are worried that if they talk about sex, um, they might engage in it, which I can confidently say that it's very, very possible um, to talk about sex without engaging in sexual activity. Um, I talk about sex on a regular basis with colleagues, with students um, of all different, you know, of different genders. And um that's just never an issue. Right. And, and so I think when people, um, who are struggling to bring this up with their partner can let go of some of that anxiety and realize that, you know, maybe they're struggling to bring this up with their partner because they are shameful about arousal and, you know, talking about sex can bring up feelings of arousal because it's a natural process, but, we don't have to shame that natural process, right? Arousal is just a response that our bodies have. It's normal. It's natural. It's for good purposes. And we don't necessarily have to do anything with it. We can just just experience it, right? Just let it sit and 
it goes away. Um, but for couples who may be more, um, more kind of um, inclined to, to beginning that sexual relationship, I think that it might be important to start talking about that earlier, right? Some people kind of have an assumption that maybe, you know, you go home and you have sex on the first date or anything like that. And, you know, it it might be kind of weird to talk about sex on the first date, but just establishing with someone, if you are going on a date with someone or if you're dating someone, like you're entrusted to each other. You're, you're, this person is trusting you. And so like, obviously you need to, before you engage in things or before you initiate something, it needs to be established what that person's boundaries are. Um, And so those are kind of the two sides that I would say, you know, it really, if, if you don't know your partner well enough to, to know, um, to feel like you can talk about these things, it's probably not someone who you should be engaging with, with sexual activity. Um, and it's probably not the right time to talk about it yet, but, um, but yeah, couples can, can really start to learn like what is, what is the right time to bring this up with different topics. Yeah. Right. So I also was sexually assaulted and afterwards, I feel like I kind of spiraled into like, if this happens, like, why does it even matter? Like I can just do whatever I want. And shortly afterwards I realized it was like, okay, wait, no, there may be some like other consequences here. And that like really forced me to sit down and like think about sex and like what I actually like wanted from that. And I think having conversations about sex or like more often than I did growing up really would have helped just so I had that like framework and like that ability to really like process through things and like see like the significance of sex and like how that plays in my life. I'm curious, what was it like when you went to college and you talked about, you know, how you started like exploring, that was like the perfect like area for you to be like, let's figure this out. What was that process like for you? Yeah. Um, so I remember my first human development class that I took, right. I was in the family science major and I took, I was, I transferred into that major because I wanted to know what love was. I, my sense of love was so warped that I just knew that taking these classes would help me learn, you know, what is it supposed to be? And I remember the first class we, um, that sex was brought up. I had a panic attack because I had kind of pushed that part of me down so far. Like I had, I had kind of repressed my sexuality to a point where even hearing the word sex was so triggering and I couldn't even sit through the rest of the class. And I just, that's when I knew that I had stuff to work on, that I was not okay. And, you know, I approached a professor afterward and she gave me some books and slowly I just read through um, these books. I took classes and like you said, you know, worked through what my sexual values were. Like, who am I as a sexual being? What do I want out of sex? Like, what, what am I as a sexual being? What am I as a sexual being when I'm not dating? Like, all of, when I'm not in a relationship, just as I am? And then what is it like when I am in a relationship? And I was able to explore all of these things with, without being in a relationship um, and really came to a place where... I did a 360 where before I saw my sexuality as something 
that was shameful, that was dirty, um, that was damaged. And I was able to change my mindset and say, my sexuality is beautiful. And I love who I am as a sexual being. Like my arousal is beautiful. My, my experiences are special to me. They're sacred. And that prepared me to have to, to have a happy marriage, to have a successful marriage and, um, and be in a place where I'm really at peace with my sexuality. That's awesome. I, I kind of want to go back to, um, what, you know, you both shared and take it back to like how, how we communicate within relationships similarly to how we approach the topic of sex with our new relationships how do both of you like approach the topic of sexual abuse within like a new relationship yeah um wow you know i i really haven't i've only been married for 3 years but it feels like a long time ago that i was dating and so um i i think that the way that i approached it you know, I, I waited a little bit when I was dating, um, these guys to make sure, you know, that, that there was trust there, there was, um, a a little bit of stability and there was a sense that the relationship was going to be moving forward. Right. If I was just casually dating someone, I didn't bring that up. And I was just very protective of myself, um, physically. Um, I really didn't open myself up to, to guys at that point. Um, even holding hands, you know, I just was very private, but when I saw potential with someone that, you know, this might be something, this might be potential marriage. I first brought up kind of what happened to me. Um, I had become pretty, uh, comfortable sharing my story, but I, you know, I do want to share that if people have been assaulted, like they, you definitely don't have to share your story with everyone and you don't have to share all of it. Right. It definitely, you share what you're comfortable with. Um, but I just shared the general context to help them understand that I do have a hard time trusting guys to a certain extent and that I, um, kind of like Lydia, I had a, a point in my life where I was very overindulgent with sex, um, overindulgent with sexual activity because I was trying to reclaim my sexuality after assault. That's a very common response from survivors, you know, trying to get that control back, trying to, to understand what's, what's happened to you and, and really take that back. Anyway, and so being so overindulgent at one point afterward, I that's when I started deciding I need to act in a way um, that is going to lead me to the outcome that I want, which is a healthy marriage, right? Um, and so I just told these guys um, when when we were in a serious relationship, you know, I I've struggled to to. Um, have self-restraint in the past. I'm, I'm learning um, how to be at peace with my arousal, um, with, with these things. And so like, if you care about me, I, if, if you want to be in this relationship with me, like I would love your help to, toward this goal, right? Like, like you said, like we talked about our goals, um, where is it that we see ourselves going and then how can our actions align with that goal? 
And the, the guys that I dated were very respectful. And I told them, you know, I need, um, I need consent to like, I need you to ask me, I need you to tell me like what, what you're wanting to happen. And I know it's not super romantic. Um, but I would just love it if you asked me before you kiss me. And we, we really set up those boundaries. Right. And that was great for me. That's what I needed. Mine's like definitely along the same lines for me, like now dating, or I guess even like a couple, like, like right afterwards where I like, I kind of had that switch when I was dating, it was hard for me to be like physical or even show that I was physically interested with a guy just because like on dates, you like, you want to show that like, you actually like them and that you're like interested in like pursuing them. But like, I didn't want to hold hands. Like I didn't want him to touch my shoulder. Like I didn't like, like, it was just like hard to show kind of like those cues that you normally have in dating. And I feel like I just was like very like closed off. And so it was like really difficult, especially because a lot of the guys I was dating, I would say like, were like more like physical touch was their love language. And so they're like, you know, like we want to like hold hands, like want to do this, like as a sign of like romance, but I was like, I actually can't, but then it is also a privilege for someone to hear your story and like for you to trust them with that. And so obviously like on the first couple of days, like that's not something I really want to dive into or talk about, or even like trust you with yet. And so lots of times it just like took the guy being very patient and like, I'm pretty upfront about like, Hey, like I'm saving sex for marriage. And like, I have like pretty strict, like physical boundaries. Like, I don't need to tell you like the whole reason, like why yet. And then like later on in like, I'll say like dating someone, I think it's like a little easier. And like you said, like there's trust that comes at like different parts, like the emotional intimacy too. And it's like easier to share it like then, especially once you like know that they're a safe person. And I think that helps a lot. And I had one relationship where I like was not clear about that at all. I was like, these are the boundaries we have to have. Like, I can't go past this. And I was like very rigid with it. And it was like really causing issues in the relationship because I was getting triggered all the time, but like not willing to express like why I was being triggered. And so it came to a point where I was like, I have to tell him we're like, like this can't like keep happening. Like it's not even fair to him at this point because he doesn't know like what he's doing wrong. And so like, I think now I've gotten better at talking about it before it becomes like an issue in the relationship and like definitely grown in that way. But I also think like you were talking about, I do have to tell them like, Hey, consent's like really important to me. Like, and I need it in like very small ways, like all the time, not just like a, like kind of like a blanket consent, I'll say. But yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you both for for sharing that. I, I mean, you know, fortunately that hasn't been something that I've, you know, had to um experience, but I do very much want to be able to have the sex conversations in my relationship in a healthy um, way that's like vulnerable, but also respects each person's privacy and um, need to not like just exploit everything about um, themselves. And I think something that um, I, I mean, I don't know much about your um growing up and, and background, but I think something within Christian circles um, that I know Lydia and I have both experienced is that uh, stuff like this and even sex in general, um, there's this purity culture that's affected how we view our sexuality and our relationships. Um, I'm just wondering, have you, 
did you ever experience that? Like when you're talking with people or, or giving it advice, um, how do you approach like the topic of sex and sexuality and, and like sexual shame and help people like overcome that? You know, I definitely do see how purity culture affects not only the people who, you know, live in my neighborhood, um, but I just see it in our cultural culture in general. Right. Um, the way that I kind of define purity culture is that, you know, it's this attitude that w- especially placed on women, that virginity, um, you know, absence before marriage makes a, a woman good and, you know, pure um, and having sexual feelings, um, engaging in sex, dressing in a way that might, that might suggest that a woman is sexual, that a woman can be, a, um, can be a sexual being like that is seen as bad and sinful. Right. So I just want to kind of clarify where I'm coming from. That's what I view as purity culture and it's everywhere. Right. Um, but I would just suggest for, for, girls who are either healing from this growing up or, um, and even, even boys, you know, for people who have, um, kind of been raised in this to really try to let go of the anxiety that surrounds sex. Um, because I think that anxiety about sex and sexuality is what breeds shame. Um, and, and so if we can just be okay with being a sexual being and, and, um, and, you know, it's much easier said than done. Um, but just like we've talked about, learn about who you are as a sexual being, like really take the time to develop that part of yourself that you, you know, um, what you want out of that part of your life. And I think that can let go of a lot of help you let go of a lot of shame. Um, and then hopefully, bring that into, if you want to have a family, if you're planning on having children, you can change that for your children and you can, you know, raise them in, in a home where we're, it's just a normal part of life, right? We, we teach them from when they're young that we have, um, you know, boys have penises, girls have vulvas and the, that's the beginning. And when, when you talk about that in a normal, natural way, that's the beginning of your child's sexual development, um, being shame-free and being positive because you're using the correct terminology, you're stating it in a positive way. And, you know, you, like we can raise a generation of, of children who are free from sexual shame. And I think that's such a hopeful message. Mm, Definitely on the topic of raising the next generation what age do you think it's appropriate to introduce the topic of sex and sexuality? Or do you think it's like a case by case basis or once it's presented, like how do you, yeah. And then similarly, how would you go about the birds and the bees talk? Like what would be a good example? What would be a bad example? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. I guess, I guess I'm <laughs> sorry. <start. laughs> No, it's okay. I'm trying to remember. Um, okay. So I, I think that generally, um, about seven or eight is when 
Um, children are at a, at a stage in their development where they're going to be curious about sex. Um, you know, that's kind of the, the age where they are starting to comprehend like mom and dad have sex, you know, like they, that's something that they do. Right. Um, and, and so hopefully before then, um, you have, you know, raise them in a way that, that sex is not shameful, right? We don't like, it's not necessary to talk about sex with children younger than that age, but I think that eight is a pretty good age to, um, answer their questions more straightforward, um, to talk about the mechanics of sex, but also to talk about the emotional and the spiritual and the relational aspects of sex, right? We, we focus so much on, oh, how do I explain to my child how the penis penetrates the vagina? Like, how, how do I talk to them about that? Um, but I think also it's so important to include in that, like, that sex is a bonding activity and that it brings people closer together, that it is giving of yourself to a person that you love. It's, a, it's an act of service and it's an act of, of receiving the love of your partner. Um, and you know, obviously there's, there's going to be cases where, like you said, it has to be individualized, right? Like you don't just want to dump this on your child randomly (laughs) when you're picking them up from school. Like, Hey, let's do this. Um, I think that would be an example of a bad birds and the bees talk. Um, just kind of randomly ambushing them one day and like, we're going (laughs) to talk about this. Um, but if you've, if you've kind of been, you know, children are curious. And so I can probably safely say that before a child is seven or eight, they've asked some questions about sex or at least about like genitals or their bodies. And so if you've kind of led up to that point with answering their questions, honestly, and age appropriately, then at this point you can really, um, like, you know, if they're coming to you with questions, you can answer them. And if your child is one that is more timid and uninterested in talking about sex, I think it's okay um, to, you know, you don't need to bombard them. Um, but there, there are natural ways to bring up conversations about sex, right? To, to kind of gauge where your child is at. Like you can, in the car, you know, um, I have a, I have a colleague who runs a, an Instagram account called shame free chastity and her name is Meg. And she talks about conversations that she has with her children, um, just random conversations about sex that come up. And so, you know, sometimes she'll, she'll initiate the conversation and say, you know, Mm. what are your friends saying about school or what are your friends at school saying about this or that and kind of gauge like what their children are hearing, what, what they understand, Um, and that helps them know that you're a safe person to talk to, right? Um, like you're asking them questions instead of just word dumping. Um, I think that would be a better, a better way to approach. And then, and then you don't have to talk about it all in one go, right? Like these are months and years of conversations that build up. Mm -hmm. And if, if you are waiting to talk to your child about sex, for just one night, like when they're 16 and you're like, okay, they're going to start dating. Let's sit them down for the talk. You know, that's, that's probably, um, 
I want to say it's never too late to talk to your children about sex, but that's probably just a missed opportunity that you could have been building these bridges and building these understandings for children um, at younger ages when they're probably a little bit more receptive to hearing um, what you as a parent want to say. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I The whole ambush thing kind of got me thinking about, um, I think it's called Passport to Purity. And not to bash on like other parental methods, but I did have, I've had a few friends that have experienced the, the program, if you will, where they were taken on like a spa weekend with their mom. And then all of a sudden it was just dumped on them all in one night. (laughs) Have you heard about this, Lydia? No. (laughs) So yeah, it's a wild program. Like they, they would just be going about their lives and then they would go on a fun weekend with their mom and just be dropped there. It was usually like sandwiched with an experience of like a spa or a hotel or a water park or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's those things where, yeah, I, I think often about how will I approach these conversations? I mean, I don't have kids or am near having kids, but how would I approach those conversations? Um, with, with my kids, because I think that, you know, if you don't have those conversations, certainly the world and, and other people are going to have them, um, you know, outside. So like, how do you do it in a manner that's, that is like what you're talking about building that relationship and that, um, that base around the topic. So it's not just ambush, you know, after, yeah. And just poor timing. So I just thought that was funny. <laughs> I, I remember yeah, passport I, to purity. <laughs> I have never heard of that, but honestly, it does not surprise me. And you know what? It honestly reminds me of just that talking about sex takes trust, right? If we, right. if it requires trust within a romantic relationship to talk about sex, it requires that same trust and consent to talk about, um, to talk with your children, right? And so, like, if those children are so unprepared and so caught off guard on this, it's probably, <laughs> even if you talk about it in a positive way, it's probably going to be really weird and, and, and really say. uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but, like, if you prepare your children and say, and, like, give them the opportunity to join in on the conversation before you you give them this information that they might not want or be ready for, and that's okay because, if you build that relationship, someday they're going to be ready to hear it and you're going to be the one who's going to help them. Definitely. I remember I must've been like six or seven because I like could read, but still like would like my mom to like help me out or whatever. And at recess, I heard a kid talking about sex and how their parents had sex. And I was like, I've heard this word thrown around, but like, I need more details. And I remember one of our pastors had read like a passage that had like the word sex in it. And so I went home and I like searched my Bible trying to find the word sex in it, but I had a children's Bible. So it didn't have the word sex in it. And then I like got the like big kid Bible and I like, finally found it. It was in like Leviticus or something. And I was like, mom, like, do you want to read the Bible with me? And I was like, we have to read this page like in entirety. And then the, the word sex came up. She's like, Oh, like, do you know what that is? And like, I think she gave me like, you know, like some like basic version of it, but I was like, I just tricked her into telling me. And I was like, next, next day at recess, I was like, guys, <laughs> I read the Bible yesterday and this is what it said. 
That's great. Um, that's that's really Lydia. That should be the new passport to purity program. Yeah. <laughs> Just send Lydia in with a big kid Bible. <laughs> that's too funny. Yeah, yeah, and of course I had like the complete opposite. You know sexual education I guess you could say I didn't get the birds and the bees talk at all ever yeah it's just it's interesting how how much we lack this conversation in you know in our even our our friendships and um in our family relationships it's like this isn't really something that we shouldn't be talking about but it's just yeah I'm curious I'm curious if you two um you know, especially Emma with, with saying that you never had a outright open conversation about sex with your family, with your parents, but do you feel like you, like what nonverbal communication did you pick up from your parents about sex? Cause I think that's also a really important way that we teach children, you know, even if we're not talking to them upfront and not, and you know, not sit like sitting down and having this conversation, but like the way that at least like my parents treated each other, like my, my dad always came home from work and gave my mom a kiss first thing. And I just, I always knew that they loved each other. Right. And right. I, it kind of never um, transferred that like they were having sex, but like, I knew that they loved each other. And I think that made, um, made me have at least a, a sliver of a, of a positive view of what sex could be. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, my parents are still in a very loving, you know, relationship in 20 some odd years. But yeah, they, they did have those cues of like, you know, dad comes home from work, gives moms a, a kiss type thing. Um, but it was just like, it was just never a, a topic in my life. I mean, granted, I was also, we moved around a lot. I was homeschooled and then I was private school and I was like in and out of different schools. And so it was just like never a part of my life until, I mean, I didn't really hear the word sex or like think about it until high school, honestly. And reality is like, I have no idea how this happened, but (laughs) it's true. And, um, I just, I got a very like blanket, you know, like Christian talk about like how it would be, you know, most honorable in marriage and, um, and, you know, you definitely want to save this. I also got the, you know, you don't want to have sex without, you know, contraception, like you'll probably get pregnant. I mean, <laughs> so a little bit of like a, a scare tactic, but not in like a ill-intentioned way. Um, but it was just like not a part of my life until it became a part of my life through, relationships and like, oh, now I'm coming into my own and like, I like boys and we're having relationships. And so then I kind of had to figure it out on my own, you know, like give myself a birds and the bees course, um, thanks to the internet, which is actually not a good thing because so much could have gone wrong for me, you know, just learning about this on the internet, you know? Um, but luckily it didn't and thank God for that. And so now I can have those conversations with my parents, I think, because there's no awkwardness. Cause I know what I'm talking about. Like I know what I'm asking about. They of course know what they're <laughs> talking and asking about. So it's totally different. 
right? Sadly, I think that is a conversation that many parents skip over, uh, which is a shame. But you know, it's it's something that we can change, right? Like we can keep improving and and um, kind of being more determined to step into that uncomfortable space um, for ourselves first, and then opening up that space to have conversations with other people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd like to think that there's other people in my in my boat. I mean, clearly we have listeners, so <laughs> I would say that maybe there's someone there who can relate completely. But yeah, I, I would say a lot of things could go wrong um, if we don't normalize, you know, having these conversations and really like honoring it because it's such a good thing. Um, so yeah, that's part of the reason why we had the podcast and wanted you to come speak with us today. So yeah, (laughs) I love it. Honestly, I think what you're doing is amazing. It's just, it's fun to hear so many people start to talk more about this and, and so many podcasts and, and Instagram pages are popping up with this. And I love it because, you know, I've been studying this in school, you know, for, what, six years now, and I'm about to enter a PhD program for another five years. Um, And I learn something new every single time I talk about sex. Every single time it like, you know, it's not something that, that it's, it's a continual development. And Mm -hmm. so like, you can never be done talking about it. Even, you know, when you're, when you're a child and your parents stop talking to you about it because you're 18 and move out, then that's when you start working on it on yourself. And then you get in a relationship and you work on it. And then you get married, you like, it's just a growing process throughout your whole life with, which I just love. Like, I think that really encapsulates the beauty of sexuality. When we let go of the shame and anxiety, we can see it as something that grows us and that that Mm -hmm. grows with us through our, our entire lives. Well, thank you so much, Jenna, for joining us on today's episode where we talked about sex conversations and relationships, how to approach it with kids and shame, purity culture. We covered a lot. And so we're so grateful that you came on this episode of our podcast. And as always, thank you to all of our listeners. We hope that you enjoyed it. Please feel free to DM us on Instagram at the Holy Ship dot podcast or email us at the holy ship dot podcast at gmail.com until next time thanks for listening <laughs>